podcast my name is jasmine and i will be your host for this episode guys happy new year i haven't heard from you guys or really been on social media much since the last episode so happy new year to everybody we got a great show for you guys today we are going to be talking about uh the new website and the fact that it's live i'm super excited about that we're also going to be talking about prince harry's new book uh a staggering statistic on church membership and what my partial media fast taught me so let's go ahead and get into it So I kind of talked to you guys about this last episode, but basically I started a website that is pairing with the podcast. Um, we're going to talk about different topics on that site. It is a news site. So um, make sure you subscribe to that because I am posting pretty consistently on that site, um, different news stories that could uh, that pertain to Christianity and Christian news and even just pop culture stuff that could pertain uh, to a Christian in general. Um, a lot of these stories are more so essays. Um, some of it's written in, uh, AP style, if anybody is, uh, used to that associated press style. So some of it is news stories, but there's also going to be a link for more so, um, abstract thinking, uh, long format journalism. Um, I am super excited about this guys. For those who know me personally, they know that I am a writer more than I am a speaker. I love writing. I've always loved writing. So the website is called train of musings. So that's T R A I N of musings, M U S I N G S.com. Uh, feel free to go on there, peruse around. If you have any design, (laughs) uh, suggestions, please send them my way. I am not a website designer at all, but I am super excited about all the stories that are already on there. Just to name a few, we have uh, a review of Glass Onion already up there. Uh, Also, Atlas, a parkour running robot. Uh, I cover that a little bit. And also why millennials are leaving the church and how we can get them to stay. So there's more than that, those stories on there. But those are a few that you guys can peruse and give feedback on. Um, But this is going to be a place for short form and long form journalism and essays. So topics that maybe I don't have time to talk about on the podcast. Maybe I just want to touch on them on the podcast, but I go into greater depth online. Um, That's where those stories are going to lie. So please give it a look over, send me an email, subscribe. There's a place at the bottom where you can subscribe and put in your email. That way you guys get a notification anytime I post a new story. So that will be updated, uh, very frequently. As for this podcast, this year we're shooting for more once a month. So the goal is at the end of every month to kind of go over the top news stories of the month and try to give a Christian perspective of that. Um, But the website is what's going to be mostly focused on this year and poured into this year. So make sure you subscribe and let's get on with the show. So the first thing we're going to talk about is Prince Harry's new book. And the reason I'm talking about this is because of how popular it was. 
um, when it first released. I mean, it's still popular. It broke a Guinness world record for fastest selling nonfiction book of all time. $1.4 million opening weekend, 3.2 million copies sold in its first week. And I just don't understand why. And it's partially because I'm just not into the Royals like that. And I'm always kind of intrigued by like Americans who really want to know about the Royal family. I just don't understand why I, I know Americans more so than other cultures are very uh, obsessed with celebrities and celebrity culture. I just do not consider the Royals to be part of our celebrity. I mostly think of them as, you know, European celebrities uh, overall. But what's crazy is the contents that were in the book. And if you haven't read the book, you're not really missing anything. <laughs> uh, it's basically a grown man uh, whining about why all the things in his life went wrong without ever taking responsibility for himself. Um, he talks about basically how everybody did it him wrong, especially his uh, older brother. And that's really the gist of the book is just him uh, crapping all over his family and saying it's his older brother and he's always been in the shadow and um, just very, very entitled. And I guess um, I'm talking about this because I feel like that's just unfortunately indicative of our culture is a lot of entitlement. Some of his trials, um, this is discounting the, the drug use and, um, cause that's, that's horrible for any generation, but some of his trials in which his older brother was just being like a punk older brother, which is what every sibling goes through, um, I guess really scarred this kid, uh, really scarred Prince Harry. Harry talks about how one time growing up, I guess he got a bad haircut and um, his brother along with his friends laughed at him for it because it it looked bad. And um, apparently it scarred him enough to be put in this book. And it's just crazy to me how much blame is put like how much of his life he puts blame on with other people to other people. Um, Prince Harry had a very troubled upbringing. Like his mother, obviously Diana died. Um, That would be traumatizing for any child, but it's almost like he internalized it so much mixed with the obvious uh, Like if you're a Royal, obviously you're going to be spoiled. So it's like trauma mixed with, an intensely spoiled child and it it makes this hodgepodge of a human that is both tragic and yet easily easily dislikable like reading the book you feel for him because you're like man this kid's mother died like that is tragic that's beyond tragic and um you know he dealt with substance abuse that is also tragic um but then the moment you start feeling bad for him, he harps on his brother and how his brother is to blame for all of the horrible things in his life. And it's like, man, I was just about to feel bad for you. <laughs> but it, it comes off as spoiled and entitled. I, I want to know, I'm, I wonder how many people have read this book and have not felt this way. <laughs> because the way it is written and the way it is uh I mean, even been talked about by some big celebrities, it does come off as a spoiled kid or uh, an entitled human. And I'm wondering if anybody's reading this book 
and does not feel that way. So if you guys can go on that website I talked about earlier and if you would just want to send me a note about how you feel about Prince Harry's new book, if you read it, if you haven't, if you just heard about it, if you cliff noted it, whatever the case is, because I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Or you can find me on Instagram at ino.podcast. Send me a message. And especially if you don't feel that way, (laughs) if you truly are like, hey, I feel for Harry. I do think like his brother is awful. um, And it's none of his life is his fault. I would love to hear your perspective on it. Also, the American in me who likes drama because I just feel like Americans love celebrity drama. And unfortunately, I can find myself wasting time. Um, in that area I would love for his older brother to write a book uh, as just an answer a response and I hope it would be like half the number of pages and he would just be like yeah I don't really know what Harry's talking about like part of me would love to hear a response from the royal family unfortunately I don't think they're going to do that well maybe fortunately they're not going to do that Um, they have way too much uh, poise and class um, to Uh, destroy their lineage uh, based off of one you know based off of Prince Harry I don't think they'll go down that rabbit hole but I would love to hear a response from the older brother because I just (laughs) I just want to know how he thinks about the book or if he's even read it I know I know if I was in that situation I don't think I'd even read it and I don't blame him if he didn't read it I wouldn't want to read it if I was in that same position but I do want to know if he read it and I would love to know his response but I don't think that's going to happen. I also wanted to pose this question to you guys. Um, Where does Meghan Markle and Prince Harry go from here? Like they started a podcast, they have this book out um, and it's kind of becoming one large theme of the Royal family scorned us and we're still hurt and we can't believe that the Royal family do this. But I feel like there's only so long that you can do that before people start to get bored. So I'm wondering if from here they'll maybe start a lifestyle brand where they like, I don't know, dive into their lives a bit more because right now they're Meghan Markle's podcast and the pairing with Prince Harry's book. It's kind of just being a lot. It's just a lot of complaining and I'm just not, there's only so many times you can hear about, what the royal family did to where you're like okay guys we get it like what else are you here for um what other form of entertainment can you give us because ultimately a book and a podcast is for entertainment so with that let's get on to the next segment So a staggering statistic came out by Gallup. Um, And basically the statistic is church membership drops to below 50%, which is the first time it's been this low since the 1930s. Isn't that crazy? Um, It's important to note that this statistic talks about church membership. It doesn't mean uh, people visiting or even people who visit for months and months at a time and just don't consider themselves a member. Um, and it is not the Christian religion itself. So apparently Gallup, which is the, uh, site that conducted this research, they also included church going people, synagogues and mosques. 
So what this statistic overall shows is that people are less religious in America, um, less than 50%, which again is the lowest it's been since the 1930s. Um, less people are claiming any religion. You have a lot more agnostics, a lot more atheists, um, which is very telling. I know maybe Christians don't want to be grouped with, well, that, that statistic doesn't really count with us. Uh, it does because less people are religious at all. Less people are following any type of holy book. Um, now, of course, we want them to follow the teachings of Christ um, first and foremost, but that means we're dealing with a lot more people who are either uh, don't have an opinion about God or they are adamant that there is no God. So one thing to kind of lighten this statistic is that uh, Barna Group, which is a visionary research and uh, resource company located in Ventura, California. According to them, they started in 1984. The firm is widely considered to be a leading research organization focused on the intersection of faith and culture. So basically, Barna Group uh, collects a lot of data and conducts a ton of interviews to kind of understand the temperature of faith, specifically in the Christian religion across the United States. And one thing that Barna Group has trapped is that there has been a rise in spiritual openness in the United States um, since the pandemic. So although people are less quote unquote spiritual, um, less people are claiming a uh, religion or going to church or being members of a church, um, more people are open to the idea. So why am I giving you these two statistics? It's because it coincides with the scripture that reads, the harvest is plentiful, but laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is Matthew 9, uh, verse 37 through 38. Um, it's important to know what the spiritual climate of your nation is so that you know how to approach people around you. Um, another statistic that is helpful is that roughly 36% of millennials um, told Gallup that they belong to a church. So if you want to be more targeted in your approach of um, evangelism, 36% uh, of millennials are belong to a church. Um, it's probably a little bit less because remember that other religions are involved in each statistics. So let's, uh, let's give it like a 6%, uh, give or take, um, your chances of talking to a millennial that is not a Christian are extremely high. And it leads us into the question, why are there so many people there? There's so many Christians in the United States. Why are so many people, um, not members of their church or not involved in the church or just don't believe in God. What can we do um, as a body to change that statistic? I mean, this is not a great statistic considering the 1930s is the last time it was this low. I think the answer ultimately is that Christians have to be better ambassadors. Um, a lot of Christians live double lives. Uh, so we are this goes back to episode one. If you are infected by sin with that sin, you now have no power to push back against that sin. So if you have issues with lust in your heart, you can't help a lustful person break free of that. Why? Because you are dealing with it. And, um, let me be clear, dealing with a sin and then uh, allowing yourself to fully live in that sin are completely different things. So 
if you are fully living in lust and giving yourself over to lustful passions and not fighting that temptation, you do not have power or grace to help anybody out of that situation because you are in that situation. So we have a lot of Christians who do live double lives. They do not practice what they preach. They party Saturday night, ask for forgiveness Sunday morning and hope the pastor doesn't see them in their sin throughout the week. Um, we, we just have to be better ambassadors. Also, we have to be better about carrying the fruits of the spirit. I know I've had, uh, unsaved friends, secular friends who have told me like Christians just don't look like they have any fun. Like Christians, I I have way more fun than all my Christian friends. Uh, Christians always have their head down or they're always mean or they're always, some of people's worst memories are with Christian people. And of course that goes back to don't be a hypocrite, but also the fruit of the spirit has to be very evident in our lives. We should be walking in love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. We should be, uh, walking in all of these things because that is what draws people to Christ. That's what makes our lives look different. The Holy spirit is what draws people to God, but we operate in the Holy spirit. We are Jesus's ambassadors. So We have to walk in these fruits in order for people to be like, hey, your life is different. You don't look like me. You don't talk like me. You don't act like me. And yet you have peace that surpasses my understanding. You have joy unspeakable. Why is that? That opens up the door to uh, more conversations about who our savior is and why we are the way that we are. And then thirdly, unfortunately, the church has had, um, issues with abuse in regards to sin, um, specifically in the LGBTQ, uh, community and in the abortion issue. That does not mean that we change our standpoint on it. We are always biblical in our standpoint. We don't have to change to fit other people. However, um, there are too many people who have been downright abused in the church who deal with this sin. There's been too many people who have stories of, well, I, um, came out to my pastor and he kicked me out of the church, told me I was going to hell. Um, my parents kicked me out of the home, told me I was going to hell and here I am now and I hate the church. Well, yeah, I, I, I see why way too many stories of people being mistreated. And again, that does not mean we change our stance on what the word of God says, but there is a way you talk to people and there is a way you treat people who are dealing with certain sins. Um, and these are hot button issues. Uh, they're very sensitive issues nowadays. Um, I mean, especially with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, abortion is very sensitive. And so talking to people who have gone through Um, who have had abortions, talking with people who are contemplating having an abortion, the church has to do better with um, how we treat people. Um, Now, I will say, I don't think that is the overarching main issue as to why people are not coming to church. Um, I think people will find any excuse not to come to church and some people just don't want to come. But I think there, these are three ways that we could hopefully bridge that gap and uh, bring those statistics up because honestly, that's it's a little scary that most people are not in church um, and either not members. Also, if you've been going to a church for months, go ahead and go ahead and be committed. Like that's just to me. If you go for months and months and months and you're just not committed, like come on, go ahead and uh, plant your roots 
a lot of people deal with church hurt. Eh. My stance on church hurt, unless it's abuse. But as far as Sheila was talking about me and I'll never have that again, as far as like petty drama, um, uh, my thing is just move on, heal and get planted just because Sheila did that at your past church doesn't mean Todd's going to do that at this church. Um, easier said than done. I know I have dealt with uh, church hurt. I've dealt with a uh, pretty severe church hurt. Um, so I get it's easier said than done, but uh, that's why the Lord commands us to forgive. We have to forgive. We have to move on. We have to uh, plant roots in our new church and, uh, you know, continue to grow and continue to serve within uh, our new church community. If we, if that does cause us to leave a church. Now I will say if you can, if you're um, maybe the church wasn't abusive, maybe you just had a falling out and it's just honestly petty drama. Um, go make peace. Uh, God says, blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. Those are uh, peacekeepers are people who keep their mouth shut and just kind of bite down and hope that it blows over, but people who make peace, who create peace. So if you want to be blessed, that's not the only way you can be blessed, but God says he blesses the peacemakers. Go back and make peace um, before you move on, or you might find that when you make peace, you can stay and everything's fine. But those are just three ways that we can answer this statistic, but let's go ahead and get to the last segment of the show. Alright guys, so I went on a partial media fast. Now you might be saying, why partial media? That doesn't sound like a big deal. Well, the reason why I say partial media fast is because I actually work in content creation and social media. That is my nine to five job um, outside of this. So um, there are times where I did have to get on Instagram to check a trend, see what it was doing, and then I would hop off immediately. So uh, a grand total, I, I didn't spend more than honestly 10 minutes at all on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I, I just didn't. Um, but just, I wanted to be transparent with you guys. It wasn't like I never checked those things. Um, but I made sure that when I was, uh, on those platforms for work that I didn't check my personal page. Um, I didn't like scroll down and see what my other friends were posting. I just did my job, <laughs> checked a trend and got off immediately. And so one of the first things that I learned is the value of silence when listening to Holy Spirit. Um, with all the media that we consume all day, it is almost impossible to find a time of just pure silence, um, let alone like I live with roommates. Um, so even if I want silence, I do have a, a room to myself, but still you might hear something like just pure silence uh, is very hard to find. Um, and if you are prophetic in nature, if you, uh, hear from Holy Spirit often, if you're in discernment, whatever the case is, we all need to be listening to Holy Spirit, but especially if you're prophetic, um, silence is, uh, can be a really big key because how can you hear him if you are bombarded by other things going on around you, whether that's your phone chiming, cause you got a notification from Twitter, whether that's your that's really it. Like just your phone ringing, uh, off the, off the chain or somebody sending you a text message or somebody liking your photo or whatever the case is, or even just mindlessly scrolling. Um, 
I know for me, I specifically didn't get on TikTok because I saw how addicting it was, but Instagram reels is just as addicting. Um, YouTube reels, I think that's what they call them there too, is just as addicting. Um, and so I was finding that I just did not have moments of silence and it was very, very hard for me to hear God. So that's one of the things I learned is the value of silence. Um, and that's something that I need to implement in my life now that I'm back on social media because I was way more sharp. I could hear God way more clear and more often just because I didn't have all this noise around me. Number two, just how much I personally can give into distraction. And I know other people who have dealt with fast can probably relate to this, but just your phone sitting next to you, it's almost like a security blanket. Like if you're idle for a second, you immediately touch your phone. Um, Even if you are mentally saying, I'm not going to get on my phone, it's like just something to touch, just something to know that it's there. Um, And when you touch it, you want to unlock it. And when you unlock your phone, I know for me, it was Facebook and YouTube that I usually open. I really like YouTube. That's probably the only thing that I um, watch and listen to all day, YouTube and podcasts. Um, And just how much I gave into Uh, distraction. I didn't on the fast, but I mean, it showed me that in my daily life, how often I am distracted, how often I touch my phone, how often I unlock my phone. And it was almost like I wasn't even thinking. There was times where I was just on my phone because I was having quote unquote withdrawals. Um, And I was like, well, I'm just going to check my email. (laughs) Um, And then it was like second nature to just open up the YouTube app or open up the Facebook app. I literally had to delete those apps off my phone so that I didn't accidentally go on them. So that was another thing that I noticed is just how often I gave into uh, distraction. And um, I wanted to bring that up to see how often you might be distracted, how often you might um, touch your phone and unlock your phone and get on apps that, you know, just wasting time. Um, I got an app and I want to talk about it. This is not a sponsor, but it's called Lock Me Out. And I paid a a fair amount for this app because I wanted to um, get statistics on how much I was opening, unlocking and on my phone. But I also needed it (laughs) because there's certain apps that I wanted to have locked onto my phone. That way I just could not open them. It would not let me open them. And I love this app so much because it makes you pay. Oh yeah, it's serious. It makes you pay to open those apps and you can set the payment amount. So you can make it really hurt your bank account. If you really want to be disciplined, you could be like, okay, if it's passed, let's say you want to set up a time limit. This app lets you do that. Like, okay, if it's past 5 PM, I don't want to be on YouTube anymore. And I'm going to set it so that if I have to get on YouTube, I have to pay 10 bucks. Like lock me out is a great app. If you really are serious about getting off your phone, I can't recommend it enough. Um, but it was horrifying to see the weeks before how much I time I wasted on social media. Um, YouTube videos, podcasts. It was horrifying. Um, which leads me into our, my next point is that how unbusy most of us are. I know anytime I ask, uh, people, especially my age who are single and, um, no kids, 
we always talk about how busy we are. And this is not to say that people who are single without kids are not busy, but um, if you're anything like me, you will say that you're busy and you're not actually that busy. When I looked at how much time I was spending on social media, it was like six hours a day. And I, I honestly did not want to even say that statistic. But about six hours a day, I was on YouTube, whether it was background and I was working, whether it was I was actually interacting with the app, like fully looking at videos, fully scrolling through. Um, but it was on, it was constantly on. And I was like, man, how much more, even if I just changed that habit and tweaked it of if I listen to more Christian podcasts or I just put on the Bible app, we talk about like how we are so busy. We don't have time to pray. I mean, I've heard Christians say this is I don't have time to spend time with God. Like I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read my word. Um, but if you get this app, (laughs) I think you will find that you actually do have time. We make time for what's important for us. Uh, and we don't make time for what's not important for us. And unfortunately for a lot of Christians, we just don't prioritize reading the word or praying, uh, at all. In fact, here is a scary statistic, and this was taken in 2014. I couldn't find anything more up to date, so I'm sorry, but I'm sure it's less than this because our attention spans have actually decreased with the rise of social media and TikTok and how available it is. But back in 2014, Americans enjoyed and spent an average of eight minutes a day in prayer. Eight minutes. And we want God to change our lives. We want God to you know, fulfill our dreams. We want God to bless our marriages. We want God to bless our homes. We want God to change our church and bring revival eight minutes a day. That's all he gets. No wonder we're not seeing the revival we want to see. No wonder we're not seeing the things we want to see in life. We're not praying. Jesus prayed all night. (laughs) Jesus, if Jesus prayed all night, then we on we should have to pray more if our creator and our savior had a, had to do an all night prayer service before he died how much more should we have to pray i want to talk about this ministry that i found um they're out in the uk um prayer storm tv i love those guys i love those guys i love those guys because their entire ministry is prayer and fasting and those are two things that american <laughs> Western church, we do not like to do. Um, we'll read our word more so than we'll pray. Um, and we'll pray more so than we'll fast. Um, usually, I mean, it's January, so you probably did a 21 day fast with your, uh, church, but I bet you that's probably what most churches stop. Um, most people will probably stop after these 21 days and not fast again the rest of the year. Um, but I love prayer storm TV. You can find them on YouTube and they, um, just teach and go in about the discipline of prayer and the persistence of prayer. Um, and I just, I love what they do. They have, um, what they call, uh, midnight sieges and it starts at midnight UK time. Um, so it's about 7 PM. I live on the East coast. So it's about 7 PM my time. Um, and they just pray for an hour to an hour and a half. And that has been a struggle for me. Just an hour, just an hour and a half. I don't even think I've done the full hour. I've gotten close, 
but I haven't even done the full hour yet. Um, and these guys a couple weeks ago did an all night prayer session where they started late in the evening and went until early morning, six and six hours and some change. Imagine where America could be if we could do a sixth of that. If, if more Americans, um, prayed for one hour, how much better our personal lives would be, how much better our spiritual lives would be, and how much better our country would be if more people prayed. With any great revival, with any great change and transition, prayer is paramount. How can you change if you do not have direction from the Father? So that was another thing, is just how unbusy I am. Uh, And that makes me want to fill up that time with uh, more Bible reading, more prayer, um, more fasting even. (laughs) I I didn't even want to say that, but more fasting even because I actually do have time. If I get rid of this phone, I'm not on it near as much. I actually do have time to uh, devote more to my father in heaven. And last thing, this is a bit more, it might be more me, but I just said our generation does not know how to deal with boredom. Um, Anytime something awkward happens or anytime uh, idleness happens, we immediately reach for our phone. And it's crazy to think that our parents, I'm uh, technically I'm the oldest a Gen Z can be, but a millennial, the youngest a millennial could be. Like I'm right on that borderline. But it's crazy to think that my parents growing up did not have cell phones. Like they just did not. So if they were bored, they would just sit there or they'd go find something to do. And most of us don't know how to just go find something to do, um, especially something productive. Uh, most of the time, our go find something to do is to go watch a show, go watch a movie. Not saying there's anything wrong with that, but there's other productive things we could do in that time. Learning to <laughs> deal with boredom, I literally at one point, Uh, got on my web browser and looked up what did people do when they were bored in like the 1930s because I was so bored I had read my word I prayed I wasn't getting anywhere and I was like I didn't know what my parents did or my grandparents generation or my great-grandparents generation did when they were bored what did they do and I was like maybe I need to take up like knitting or something but we in in general this generation we don't know how to deal with boredom and idleness Um, idleness is not a good thing. I like how, uh, gotquestions.org defines idleness. It's undisciplined slackness. Um, idleness is something that, uh, we need to get rid of. Um, even in our times of rest, we don't have to be undisciplined. We don't have to be slack. Even our rest can be productive. Um, even our rest does not have to be undisciplined or slack. Um, God does not like us to slack because that means we're wasting uh, time, our most precious gift. This does not mean you have to fill up your day from sunup to sundown with things to do. That's not what I'm saying. There's a time and place to rest. Um, But idleness, because that's a lot of what scrolling through social media is, is idleness, um, is not something that we need to foster. So that is what I learned in my partial media fast. Uh, can't wait to do it again. Honestly, I felt like a much better human being, um, when I was off of social media. And in fact, uh, I'm not near, um, as on it anymore. Your body just kind of adjusts, you get used to it. Your brain gets 
adjusted back to normal and you just kind of don't want to be on it anymore uh which is a good thing so I'm hoping each time that I do continually fast um other things as well as social media that this will eventually uh 100% die down I would love to get rid of my smartphone I was actually looking at dumb phones earlier in the year um to buy so hopefully uh I can transition and make that transition but either way thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of INO podcast be sure to follow me on Instagram at ino.podcast also you can follow me on Twitter now um it's actually at train of musings the name of the website that's where I'll be posting updates on hey we have a new article out or uh you know tweeting about uh things happening in the world also again subscribe to trainofmusings.com I'm super excited about this project I can't wait for you guys to read the articles this has been a long time in the making and it just makes me really excited and with that y'all stay saved out there because things are getting crazy peace